0: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, this is Robbie. You're listening to the Offscript podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, don't forget to subscribe. The Big Interview with Offscript. Let's get into this interview with a man by the name of Moss Hills, a survivor, a guitarist who yep. helped save hundreds of people.
1: Indeed, uh, ordinary person, uh, ordinary individual doing an extraordinary thing. His name, as you say, is Moss Hills. Uh, he is actually a man that we've spoken about on a previous edition of this show. Why? Well, because he is, and I quote here, beautiful headline on the BBC, the guitarist who saved hundreds of people on a single king cruise liner let me ask you this question robert do you ever fancy
0: a cruise or is well that- after hearing this story i suspect even less than i would have I, perhaps originally go, no forget the story, no 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 doesn't appeal no it doesn't because i i like generally i enjoy going on hikes when i'm on holiday mm. i just it just doesn't appeal to me sitting on a boat wandering around and that is why we're polar opposites
1: i've always from a young age fancied a cruise have you it's always seen and I don't mean to disrespect anyone who's been at a young age but I always think cruises they're built for an an older an older set an older set thank you very much but having said all of that I'd love to hop on board a cruise Mediterranean (laughs) you could be 30 years younger than the average and probably still have a great time (laughs) but let's get into this because when the luxury liner Oceanos started taking on water and rough seas this was during a voyage around the coast of South Africa back in 1991 musician Moss Hills and his colleagues suddenly found themselves responsible for everyone on board now it was during dinner that Moss Hills began to realise just how severe the storm was. The ship's waiters, normally completely adept at carrying drinks and food without spilling anything, they were struggling. Moss, a guitarist from Zimbabwe working on board the cruise liner alongside his wife Tracy, who was a bass player, had never seen the waiters dropping trays before. Earlier that day, gale force winds and heavy rains had delayed sailing for the final leg of the cruise towards Durban several times. But with no sign of conditions improving, the captain made the decision to lift anchor anchor and the uh, Oceanos with 581 guests and crew on board sailed off into 40 knot winds and 30 feet waves okay now Moss and Tracy both in their 30s at the time would eventually and usually in fact host parties up on the pool deck as the ship sailed away from port but that day the party had been moved indoors and Moss braced his body uh, while he played his guitar trying to keep his balance as the ship pitched and rolled okay so that sets the scene we've yeah. got 40 knot winds 30 foot waves i'll let moss pick up the story as to exactly what was going on
2: there's a kind of a sort of a throb you always hear in the ship the engines going all the time and it's kind of the heartbeat of the ship it's always there there's, the engines are going even if you're in port because they're there for generating power and, and water processing plants and all that and then i thought i think the engines have actually stopped And and they had, and so the ship slows down. And when the ship is slowing right down and eventually got no forward motion, it's, you can't steer it. And so we just started going broadside onto the waves. And now the waves are just hitting us sideways and pounding the ship. It was rolling around very badly. And we were still in the dark and people started to come out of the restaurant, kind of up the stairs and to gather in this lounge. And more and more people were coming into the lounge um, a couple of the other entertainers as well, um, one of the magicians, Julian Butler, and also one, a second magician, Robin Boltman, and a couple of others were in there. And as more guests were coming in, there was this sort of chatter, kind of bubbling over, and people wondering, well, what's going on? What's happening? And So anyway, we decided we'll just try and play a bit of music just to keep people entertained until the power is restored. We didn't have any electricity, so we couldn't use the microphones or electronic keyboards. But um, I had an acoustic guitar, and so just played a couple of uh, acoustic songs, and Robin, one of the magicians I think, had a banjo, and, and we just tried to keep people a little bit occupied while we waited for the power to come on. But it just it didn't happen. And then... We were sort of expecting maybe an officer dressed in white to come striding into the lounge and sort of take charge and say something's happened, or even more likely we were waiting for an announcement over the PA system to say, uh, this is what's happened, stand by, we're fixing something, Or but just, just nothing happened
1: nothing happened so that's a musician looking for the authoritative figures on board this cruise liner to, to be just that to be authoritative to take charge nothing's happening i can't help but think in moss's case reminds me of course of this famous scene in titanic
0: gentlemen it has been a privilege playing with you tonight (laughs)
1: Oh, it's sad, it's sad seeing that. You know, because initially they they shake hands, don't they? And the violinist then starts playing up again, it starts playing again, and his band members come back, they play that song, and then, of course, those words. Gentlemen, it's been a privilege playing with
0: you this evening. I wonder if that is creative licence or whether that that genuinely happened.
1: I did do a bit of research on it today, and there is eyewitnesses account that the band did continue to play as the Titanic sank
0: something very british about that that is stiff you're up a little. absolutely right the offscript podcast
1: We're telling you the story of Moss Hills. He was a guitarist on the Oceanos, which was a luxury liner. It was actually uh, touring the coast of South Africa back in 1991. There was a huge storm that came in, 40-knot winds, 30 feet waves. For whatever reason, the captain decides to lift anchor, and off they go on the final leg of this cruise towards Durban. Very quickly, Moss, the rest of the passengers realise something's afoot. The cruise liner is literally rocking back and forth back and forth there are problems moss continues to play as the professional that he is he then quickly re- realizes wait a minute here no one of the crew is taking authority here no one's taking control of the situation there are worried passengers where are the crew let moss pick up the story here because he and a couple of other entertainers go to investigate
2: Guests are asking us, what's going on? Where's the power? And, and the ship was starting to lean over more and more to the starboard side, the right-hand side. So as the ship's rolling between left and right, port and starboard, it would do doing that heavily all the time. But it started to be more to the starboard side. And anything that wasn't fixed to the ground started to slip and slide and go that way. Chairs and, and uh, pot plants and, and, and people. Um, and it was starting to get really uncomfortable And I wanted to go and have a look and see what was going on, because um, when Lorraine had been speaking to the captain, he'd indicated that he thought we needed to abandon the ship. Oh, wow. And I couldn't see why. I thought, well, you know, are we on fire? Is the ship sinking? You know, it's a black night out there, a terrible storm. I certainly didn't want to go into a lifeboat in that terrible weather. And, of course, none of the guests would like to either. So I was thinking, well, you know, why do we have to abandon the ship? And I wanted to go down below and have a look at what was going on. I didn't want to go on on my own. Julian Butler, um, one of the other magicians, um, he decided to come with me. And the two of us went down together to go and see if we could find out what's happening. And it was very dark down there. And it was nobody there. Nobody. And that was a bit of a shock and, and it's it's a little uh, frightening and somewhat uh, disconcerting to to see, well, we're the only ones down here, well, why? But we couldn't see any water, we couldn't see any evidence of fire, so we thought, well, we're not on fire, we're not sinking. But then we could see that the watertight doors were closed and we thought we might have heard a big body of water sort of sloshing about behind that watertight door which gave us a bit of a fright, but you can't be absolutely certain because the waves are pounding the ship, we're below the waterline anyway, but we thought, we seem to be okay, but we can't check anywhere else because the watertight doors are closed.
1: How disconcerting must that be? You know, again, you go on these cruise liners. I've never had the pleasure. We've actually had a text in, and again, this underlines, and I've said this numerous times, yet again, our listeners always amaze me. Someone's been in touch to say that they were on that ship, the Oceanus, uh, one month before it went down. It was on a cruise to Mauritius, and you could smell sewage. So... Whether that played its part or not, I'm not quite sure. But, you know, the idea that Moss, a musician, he's employed, for goodness sake, to entertain the masses, to entertain the passengers, he's off to investigate and the crew are nowhere to be seen. They go under and uh, they go right to the bottom of the ship they see that the doors are, are sealed they can hear that water is coming in but no crew in sight i want you to play this next clip because when moss and his other entertainers make their way back upstairs they are confronted by this
2: one lifeboat had already gone down with some of the senior officers and crew i didn't see it go down but i was told it had gone down and then one lifeboat had gone um and basically they had just abandoned us. Wow. And so we just started to help out, trying to start launching lifeboats. We had um a fair number of our Filipino crew who are so so good. I mean they Filipino crew on ships all over the world and I've worked with, with many of them so good and they were very committed to staying at their posts. But because there had not been an an alarm sounded, it was if there is an abandoned ship and that sort of emergency, then you have the alarms that sounded, seven short and one long blast on the ship's whistle and horns. But that did not occur. But everybody knew there was something very bad happening, so a lot of the Filipino crew had gone to their posts. And Lorraine and us entertainers and crew staff were then sort of helping out, trying to get lifeboats launched. And the area where I was involved was doing that, it was really dangerous to get people into the lifeboats. We we started to launch the starboard side ones, the right-hand side first, but because the ship was leaning over towards the starboard side, when the lifeboats are lowered to that deck, that sort of embarkation deck, you need to fix them to the side of the ship, but that, that wasn't happening, and we couldn't fix them to the side of the ship, so they were swinging away from the ship, oh, wow. and then as the next wave hit, they would bang back against the side of the ship and away and bang, and they were hitting it hard and it was very scary for guests to be able to get into them and so it it was a slow process so the only way that that in the section where i was that i could get people into the lifeboat was to sort of stand with one leg on the lifeboat and one leg on the oceanus on the ship and you know pass a few people over and then as you feel the ship roll back to starboard and the lifeboat swing out over the water of course i just jump back onto the oceanus side and then when it Swung back in and hit the side of the ship again. We'd try and do a few more. But the more people that went into a lifeboat, the heavier it became, and the harder it was hitting the ship. And it was scary for the people in the lifeboats. But, you know, we'd fill up a lifeboat and, and away it would go.
1: So that was on one side of the ship. I mean, this is... Uh, again, you think I... of these cruise liners as yeah.
0: impregnable? No. <laughs> Just no, 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 no. hotels on the sea. And that's it. And
1: as we're seeing here, and certainly there's a vibe that you're getting from, from Moss, is that, you know, the, the crew abandoned their station. Not all of them. I don't want to cast dispersions and, and tar everyone with the same brush, but an awful lot of the crew, I mean, a big portion of them jumped on a lifeboat and saved them. I'm laughing. I mean, that's, that's outrageous. Shocking. That is out. Absolutely
0: outrageous. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think if I was one of those crew members whether I'd have been on that boat. Pass mm. me the oar. I'm getting <laughs> out of here. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and
1: say I wouldn't have been tempted. It's, so It's mental. It's what it is. But after launching the lifeboats, despite the perils that they faced and the issues of launching those stationed on the port side they then make a decision to head for the bridge of the ship now for those of you that perhaps don't know your shipping the bridge is the main control centre of a vessel of course it oh, is that's the where the are next on shipping to Chris, Thanks, Chris.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank oh. you for thank you for outlining that so beautifully, Boris.
1: Through the captain and the officers, you can tell that this is left from Wikipedia. They're able to man the entire operation of the vessel. It is generally located in a position with an unrestricted view and immediate access to the essential areas of a ship. Oh, that's beautifully so, out- explained. Thank you very much. Chris. <laughs> yeah. Good. We've established that they've popped up to the bridge, and again, they are.
2: Well, they're welcomed by this. They went in there, and there was just nobody there. That's crazy. And, and that was really a shock. I mean, no ship anywhere at any time has no one on the bridge. Even when you're in port on the quietest day possible, there are always officers of the watch on the bridge and in the engine room and places like that. But there was nobody there. And really, we I think that's when we realized, wow, I, I think we're completely running this rescue. There's, there doesn't seem to be any input from... From the senior people, and there were a couple of um, um, junior officers who were trying to help out, but the senior people had just—we didn't know where they were. They were gone. But the on in the bridge, we could still see some of the lights on for the for the radios and various controls and the radar and that sort of thing. Because again, there are battery backups when the power goes off, so we knew we needed to try and make contact. And so we took turns in trying to contact ships that are in the area, sort of calling Mayday and making contacts with different ships. And w- once that had been established, um, none of the ships really, we didn't know where our position was. And, you know, we'd, we'd tell the people on the radio, I was talking with one of the captains on one of the ships, and and... and When you can't answer the questions that they're asking, they want to know, well, what rank are you? What are you doing on on the bridge? And you have to say, well, no, I'm I'm a guitarist. And the other one, there's a magician here and a, a bass player. And it's ridiculous. We just had to wait while the South African authorities tried to organize some kind of helicopter airlift, which they did, but it took a long time to do. And we sort of waited around and... You know, you're sort of sitting on the bridge and sitting in in the bridge wings and the night's going through. We had to wait quite a few hours for this to happen till eventually the very early dawn sunrise started to occur. And I forget what time that was, probably, I'm not sure, sometime around 4.30 a.m., I suppose. And you could start to see a little bit of glow in the east. And we saw helicopters coming, and it was quite quite dramatic really to to see that and and I've got video footage that uh, my wife and I took and photographs during this whole rescue operation but I've got some video footage and photographs of the helicopters coming in there's these dark helicopters silhouetted against this dawn sky and the helicopter had a thin cable with a guy in a black wetsuit hanging off
1: now, as Moss pointed out to me, the prevailing winds made it uh, impossible uh, of the helicopters landing on the stricken vessel. Uh, eventually, two Navy divers did get onto the foredeck, but they were quick to admit that they weren't sure that it would get everyone off, uh, off the uh, the stricken ship safely. Uh, Moss believes there was five helicopters in total who were involved in this rescue operation. But as he said, there was no one trained on the deck. There's these Navy divers who are trying their very best to get 200 off the ship so they gave Moss a five-minute crash course in fixing harnesses and the signals he had to make to the winch operator above in the helicopter. Now he was told by the Navy diver, this is what you need to do, you have gotta get this right, uh, don't do it like this, because if you do it like this they'll fall and they'll die. See you later, good luck. Whoa. And off they went. Wow. Now at that point he said he turned to the passengers and no one wanted to do it. Eventually another entertainer said, Moss, I trust you, I'll do it. So Moss very nervously did what he was told in that five minute crash course, the winch went up safe thankfully safely, the guy got to the top, and then it was right, like, come on. The helicopters could only carry twelve passengers at a time. There were still two hundred on board. The helicopter would then have to go twelve to thirteen nautical miles back to shore, drop them off. But as we're about to say listen here, their drama wasn't over yet,
2: not by a long shot. We were getting through the people fairly quickly, and then suddenly no helicopter came back and we were waiting and there's no helicopter. And Tracy and I were getting a bit concerned And eventually a helicopter did come back. And the reason there was a delay, we didn't know at the time, but they, were, they had run out of fuel and they needed to go and refuel, which they did. Then a helicopter came back, was hovering over me. I'm sig- giving in the signals to send me the cable. And the guy's not sending the cable. He's hanging out of the, the door, the sort of the loading door of the helicopter, the same place where they were showing me with the bolt cutters. And he's signaling down to me, giving me a new signal and I was trying to interpret, he was putting his fingers up and I figured he wanted me to count everybody so we did, we counted, there were 12 passengers left plus me and Tracy on the foredeck and Robin Boltman, the magician, up on the bridge, there were 15 people that we had in the bow area still rescued and then the helicopter starts signaling me and pointing to the back of the ship and pointing you know get to the back get to the back and i'm saying no give me the harness you know let's we've only got 12 people left to rescue let's do it but they could see but i couldn't that the ship was not only tipping over on its starboard side but it was now in its final sort of sinking phase it was tipping up in the bow, so the stern, the back of the ship, was lifting out and the bow was starting to go down. That's where we were. But we couldn't really sense it from where we were. We just had howling winds and just you're just trying to focus and just rescue people as much as you can. I'm not thinking specifically about what state we're in, we're just going for it.
1: Immediately when you listen to that, you think of that scene in Titanic where the ship rises up yeah, Ooh. and then remember they
0: breach themselves as yeah. the ship goes oh, straight down. S- that must have felt like forever because oh. you're waiting for... The unthinkable to happen at any point. Exactly. And there's Moss putting
1: his own safety uh, to to one side to ensure, again, he's not trained in this. He's a musician, he's a guitarist, and he's taking it upon himself and other entertainers, the musicians, his wife Tracy as well, to save the people on board. So what happens? They get winched up. They themselves are in the helicopter. They're some of the last to leave the stricken vessel. What happens when they get back to shore? You know, a
2: lot of the the passengers and and a lot of the the, the crew and the entertainment staff and so on came running up to us when we got out of the helicopter, and were sort of hugging us and oh, well done, thanks!" and and I remember getting very emotional and you know getting a bit, you know teary eyed and and suddenly we realised it's all over. We've we've managed to get everybody off and and that was it. It was done. We've and eighty-one people on board and five hundred and eighty-one made it ashore okay. and and somehow that that these bunch of people who aren't trained to do it, you know, basically when Lorraine bets the cruise director said, Right, you know, you guys are it, let's do it. We just did. Untrained people completely and managed to pull it off.
1: Ah, the human spirit. Oh, That's, that's that amazing. Is. It's that's a tremendous. great story that and I couldn't believe it. You heard me there and kind of in shock a little bit. Five hundred and eighty one individuals on board that vessel, five hundred and eighty one got off it and the boat and, went under and the boat went under wow absolutely it's, it's incredible and as Moss himself would go on to say he's not a hero there was loads of other people he would just say he did what every man or woman would do how and, far off the coast was it do you know well no, I don't actually know well 12 to 13 nautical miles back on yeah. to shore oh, right
0: yeah and not an easy swim through South African waters, so as we heard earlier not. As we heard earlier this week, populated by quite a few great white sharks. <laughs> <And>
1: <laughs> given the fact, Rob, I don't swim, I'm not sure. Not a straightforward swim. Bright orange floats for me to stick on my arms.
0: Oh, wow. I would have
1: been doomed if it wasn't for Moss. Wow, us. that's you guys? incredible.
0: Amazing. Wow, that's amazing. We salute Moss Hills here in the Offscript studio and also thank him for sparing his time to tell us that riveting story. Hope you enjoyed it. The Script Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.